you guys enjoy the children's presentation? I want to see, I want to see your video, Giselle, of the congregation dancing. I think that's more exercise than some of you got in like six months. You got your steps in for the day. Hey, why don't we stand and greet one another, say hello to someone, welcome them to church. Oh, you're already, okay, never mind. I was out trying to let my granddaughter know that I have to go preach, and she was like holding on to me like it was the end of the world. And, and then she said to me, I, I was feeling really good about it, and she goes, I want grandma. <laughs> Chopped liver, what can you say? Hey, we're glad you're here this morning, and we're in the middle of a, a sermon series we're doing, uh, basically talking about confronting the lies that we believe. And uh, in light of the children's service, I want to just talk about that and uh, talk about the lie that we often hear is that uh, children can't be spiritual. And uh, I think that's a real uh, delusion that a lot of people have. You know, I've heard so many people say, well, we'll wait wait till our kids get older before we teach them about the things of the Lord. And by then it's too late because the world's had 15, 16, how many years to inculcate them into their worldview. And I've even heard uh, parents say, well, we're just going to let our children explore. You know, we used to live in Scotts Valley. We were professors over to college over there. And our kids explored the woods. And it wasn't until they were much older they told us of times where one of their friends, they were climbing on a, 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 a log. There was a dead, deadfall tree that had fallen into two other trees. And one of their little friends uh, decided he was going to go up and climb up it. And he fell and got knocked out, knocked out cold. They thought he died because he got knocked out. And they didn't tell us this story till years later. You know, kids have a, a great way of telling us, you know. And, uh, you know, what happens sometimes in life when you allow your kids to explore things, they can get into some things that are pretty dangerous. And uh, if you, you read the news, you listen to what's going on, there's lots of terrible things that are happening. And, you know, when you become a parent, you know, one of your joys of, of being a parent is seeing your, the precious birth of your son or daughter, and you have all the dreams and aspirations for them. And you have all these desires to see them do things, and you want to protect them. But yet so many times we work on the physical aspect of their life. We provide for them financially. We provide them uh, food, clothing, shelter. But we don't provide for them a spiritual framework which they can grow. And I really believe when you you look through Scripture, one of the things that is amazing is it is just full of, of references to children and the value that children have. You know, I think I look back in, in my life and our life as raising kids. We have three adult children. And one thing I want to do, can I, can I embarrass you, Edwin? I want to welcome back Edwin. He just got back from Afghanistan. Thank you for your service, brother. Glad you're here. Glad you got home safe. Uh, I know your, your mom and dad were like all like your mom's, but I can't wait till my baby's home. You know, so, you know, your big baby's going to take care of mama, you know. Uh, but, you know, when we have children, we have all these dreams and aspirations for them. And I, I see that so many people, when they have children, it, it really gets them spiritual. Because it's like, God, I don't know what I'm doing, you know. <laughs> Help. I thought I knew everything. I, I read the vlogs. I read the journals. I, I read the book on the first year of parenting, what I should do. And it's like, it doesn't tell me I'm going to be sleep derived for 18 years, you know. Uh, <laughs> And then, and then they go off to college, and you're still sleep-deprived. You know, when my kids would come home, it didn't matter how long or how old they were. When they, we, they would uh, come, come to visit, I couldn't go to sleep until they were in the house. 
you know, because as a parent, you have this burden for your children. And I, I want to challenge us because I believe that one of the things that God has done is given us children and entrusted us to be good stewards of them. Okay, do you hear me? God just doesn't want you just to steward your money. God wants you to steward your family and your resources. And one of the most precious commodities that you will ever have is your children. And I've seen, you know, I've, I've been doing this for a long time now, and I've, I've seen families that have come to me, and they've let their kids do absolutely whatever they wanted, get into anything, and then they come to me, tears streaming down their face, both men and women, and saying, Pastor, I don't know what went wrong. My kids have turned their back on the Lord. They've walked away. They don't want anything to do with the Lord. What can I do? And I said, well, you could pray, but there's, you know, you had all these time, and you let them do their own thing during that period, and now they're living the path that they chose to choose. And, and what, as, as, as believers, I believe we need to invest in the next generation. I thank God we have all these little kids up here, you know? I was looking around thinking, okay, what stains did they put on the carpet, you know? And you see, but we already, we already pre-planned for that because we have sample little square tiles that we could just pull out and replace. You see, because I would rather replace stuff than tell kids they can't have fun in church. Do you hear me? I want this place to be packed with kids. I want, I want our custodial staff to be overwhelmed with the mess that is made, you know. And what we'll do is we'll get some of you to volunteer. Those of you who like to complain about how dirty the church is, we'll get you to volunteer to help clean up. And that'll, that'll cure you of that, that uh, spirit, you know. So I'm going to talk to you this morning about some spiritual things that the, the Scripture talks about children because it's full of illustrations. You know, the first thing you look at, if you go back into the Old Testament, there is a prayer. If, uh, if you ever go to Israel, uh, we're taking a trip in 2020. Uh, if you want to go, you, you let me know about that. But we're taking a trip to Israel. And when you go to Israel and you walk into a synagogue, one of the ways they start their services is they always start off with a passage of Scripture from the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, it's known as the Shema. It's, known, it's, it's, it's basically what you gather together with every time you come together. And it says this. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's so that new math the kids were doing. One plus one plus one <laughs> equals one. That's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're all one. It's a triune God. We're not kind of mess up their math. For, you know, this is the difference between Christian school and public school. You know, we're teaching them a theological concept here. You know, and sometimes children get it faster than we do as adults because we have to go and unlearn all the things that we've learned where children just believe it because they, they know God. They are, their, spirit, their spirit isn't tainted like many of our spirits. They weren't exposed to things that have harmed them. But when you read the Shema, it's interesting because this passage of Scripture, if you go to the next verse, go to the next slide, look what it says. It says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These words, listen, these words I am commanding you today are to be upon your hearts. And you shall diligently, not passively, diligently you shall teach them diligently to your children and speak to them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as reminders on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your doorpost of your house and on your gates. You see, the Scripture tells us that as parents, we have a, a, a spiritual responsibility to hand off the faith that we have experienced to our children. You know, if you don't think the world's trying to teach your kids a, a, a spirituality, they are. And it may not be the one that you want. And so what we want to do is we want to be men and women of faith who instill the trust and belief in a loving, compassionate God that died for them. You know, I was, I was a friend of mine put something online the other day, and it was, he said, you know, at Bethlehem, 
Jesus came as Emmanuel to be with us. At Calvary, Jesus died on the cross to save us. And at the day of Pentecost, God gave the Holy Spirit to live within us. And you see, that's something we want to teach our children. We want to teach them the value of having a God that stays close to them, that is always there for them, that's never going to leave them, never going to forsake them. That's why the scripture here in the Old Testament says, you know, you should write it on, on, the, on your houses. You know, I'd encourage some of you to get some scripture and put it up in your home. You know, get some scripture and place it in your car, place it in their, your children's rooms. You know, we had scripture verses. You walk in our house, we, have a, uh, we bought it years ago. It was like a piece of wood that says, the Willis family blessing and it has a scripture on it. You know, we place things in our homes to teach our children that wherever you look, you can see the blessing of the Lord. When we're with our kids, we talk to them about the Lord. We encourage them to, to ask questions. We encourage our kids never, never to be afraid to ask a question about God, you know? And sometimes parents, they don't want your kids, you don't want your kids to ask questions because you don't know the answers. But that's where you study to show yourself approved, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. You could rightly divide the word of truth. That's what scripture says, right? So this is what we're, we're called to do. If you go further in the book of Deuteronomy, in chapter 11, verse 19, listen to what scripture says. It says, teach them, talking about the commands of God, to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. What we're called to do, you know, we talk to our kids about a lot of things. I don't know about you, but... You know, we, we taught our kids about finances at an early age. Why? Because we were in a profession that, that doesn't usually make a lot of money. And we taught our children, you know, hey, you have to be good stewards of your finances. You just can't go spend your money on anything. You need to make wise decisions. You know, our kids will probably be more wealthy than we are because they've learned the principles that we didn't learn until we were much older. But we taught our kids about finances. Why? Because that, that is a, a very important part of their life. We taught our kids about relationships. We taught our kids about uh, uh, hanging out with the right kind of people because you can make one bad mistake. One of our dear friends, uh, one of our mentors, was in the back seat of a car, and some guys went into a store, robbed the store, shot the owner. He spent seven years in San Quentin because of it, because he was sitting in the back seat of a car with some guys that did some bad stuff. He was an accessory to a murder. You know, your kids can be in some really difficult situations. If you don't teach them values, it can really destroy them. And we taught our kids all of these things. But one of the things we didn't scrimp on or didn't shortchange them on is spirituality. And, and one of the things that I, I want to encourage you, if you are a, a mother, a, a father, an auntie, an uncle, a relative, encourage the spiritual development of the children that they are brought into your life. You know, one of the things I love about our school is, you know, on Thursday, Friday, was it Rebecca Friday? Thursday night. I was, this week's been a blur. Thursday night, you could not stand in this room. There were kids and parents is packed out, they're parking, they're parking all down the street, they're parking in the fire lane. I kept looking around thinking, if the fire marshal comes, we're going to be told to evict some people. There were people standing all over here, chairs all over here. It was packed. Why? Because we have a school that many people, that they don't go to church anywhere, they consider the school their church. Consider this house, their congregation. I'll see people downtown that, that never come on a Sunday, but their kids come here to school and they'll introduce me as their pastor. Why? Because we want to instill the values in children. And you know the cool thing about children? When you instill spiritual truth in them at an early age, it grows and it sets a foundation for them. That's why we're to teach them everywhere they go. Another passage in the Psalms, I love this. You know, a lot of times... 
as, as kids, we used to have this joke in our, well, it wasn't really a joke. Maybe for me it was, but my wife, she knew it was a joke. When my kids would misbehave, I would say this to them. You better straighten up. I made you, I could create another one of you. <laughs> you know, it was kind of a, 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 an empty threat because my wife would look at, yeah, you made them, uh-huh, uh-huh. You, did, you, you had nothing. You did a little thing and I had nine months of, you know, you, you did it, right? But you know what your children are? Your children are the heritage that you have in the Lord. Scripture declares this in the Psalms. He says, behold, children are a gift from the Lord. If you've ever talked to someone that couldn't have children, you'd know how important this is. Children are a gift. They're the fruit of your womb is your reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. You know you know what that talks about? It talks about sometimes your kids are going to be really pointed. They're going to be doing things like, you know, Edwin, you and our son Chris and others that have children in, in the military, they are actual warriors. But you know what? We're, we're raising a generation of young men and women in this church. And Pastor Sandra is doing a marvelous job with these kids. You know, we're raising up a, a troop of young men and women that are going to be warriors for the Lord. That I pray that they do greater things than we could ever imagine. Amen? Amen? And part of that is we're raising up warriors. And it says this, so your children are, 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 are of one's youth. How blessed is the one whose quiver is full of them? Yeah. You know? I have a, we have a friend of ours that's a missionary. He was in Afghanistan, but uh, they found out that he was a missionary. He had to flee the country. The entire uh, missions organization that he was with, everyone else was, was martyred because of their faith. He got out, uh, snuck out at night. A, a Muslim neighbor who looked at him as a righteous man said, you know, the Taliban's coming to kill your family tonight. You need to get in the back of my vehicle. I'm going to drive you to the border. They snuck out of the country. He has four girls. In a Muslim world... Girls are, sorry, you know, he had two girls and had a third, and his neighbor said, well, maybe next time you'll have a son. And they had a fourth, and they said, well, maybe next time you'll have a son, you know, because same thing is like in India. When we go to India, uh, children, if they're a boy, they have a celebration party. If they have a girl, they have mourning, you know. Ladies, be thankful you have been raised in this country, you know. Be thankful your daughters are born in this country, you know. But he would always tell his, his Muslim friends, you know, my children are a blessing from the Lord. doesn't matter your gender. My children are a blessing from the Lord. And God wants us to look at our children as a blessing. And I don't know about you, but I want to protect my blessings. I want my blessings to be uh, protected and insulated. I want them to be safe from harm and evil. And, you know, I don't know about you, but uh, I was talking to Michael Cameron earlier this morning. We were talking about, you know, people having a, a gun on them in church. We had a, a parent who's a police officer for the San Jose Police Department was walking around here on Thursday night with his sidearm on. It was, his shirt was over it. And I, I walked up and I said, thanks for keeping us safe. And he just smiled at me. I'll tell you what, there are a lot of people out there that want to do harm to your children. They're real strong, they're real tough when it comes to innocent little kids. But they won't stand up to someone that's, that's strong and mighty. And I tell you, I want, to be, I want to do everything in my power to protect the children that come into this house. You know, the things that happen in churches where children are violated and abused, man, there is a special place in hell for those people to do that. I want to tell you that right now. This place is going to be a place where our children are protected, that they're safe, that they know this is a safe place. I want Crossroads to be a place that every single kid that comes in here, whether it's in church or school or your friends or your family, they know that they're going to be protected when they're in this place, that we're going to be the safest people they know. You know why? Because safety teaches people about the nature of the character of God. 
And the, and the things that have happened to so many kids in churches has just destroyed their faith. They'll never come to faith. Why? Because the person that was supposed to be trustworthy violated that sacred trust. Yeah, amen? Hear me? That's not even a note. That's a, that's a personal pet peeve. I, I'm going to get up on my soapbox, you know? I, I tell people all the time, I, I will do everything in my power to protect the children that consider this place their home. So let's look at some examples, because the Bible's full of examples of children that had incredible faith at an early age. You know, the first one I want to talk to you about is, is interesting, because many times when we think of this story, we think of the faith of his father, the story of Abraham and Isaac. You know, the, the story was God told Abraham, or uh, the, the father, that, you know, I want you to take your son, and I want, to, I want you to take your son and go up on the mountain and make sacrifice for him. I mean, some of your parents, you understand what that feels like at times, right? You feel like you want to kill your kids, <laughs> you know? The, 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 this, wasn't com- this wasn't human sacrifice commended by the Lord, okay? Let me, let me get to the rest of the story. So what happens is, look at Genesis chapter 2, uh, verse 5 through 10. That's, Genesis 2, is that right? No, that's not, that's not right. That's a typo on my, my notes. Um, that's a creation story. That would be a recreation. Um, skip the verse on that. I'll uh, pull that up, babes, would you? He says, uh, this is what the Scripture says. The, the Scripture is right. It's just the verse above it's wrong. Um, he says, stay here with the donkey, Abraham. 22. There you go. I missed my twos. Uh, we're watching our grandkids this weekend. That could, could be. I'll blame it on them. <laughs> You know, these precious, I love these kids, thank God, you know, and, but they get up at 5.30 every morning. <laughs> and I could tell which one is waking me by how they jump on me. The, the youngest one, Penny, she starts jumping at my calves and working her way up to my shoulders. The middle one comes up and punches my feet and then punches my legs. And then the oldest one comes up and just puts his head on me. But unfortunately, the youngest two get up early. Um, Genesis 22, sorry about that. It says, stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. And I love this. He says, and the boy and I will go up there to worship, and then we will return, which most people look at this portion and say, Abraham believed that God was going to be faithful enough that even if he did offer his son up as a sacrifice, he was going to raise him back to life, right? So Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and the placed it on, and this is crazy, placed it on his son Isaac, you know? So you think you're parents take you and they put all this wood on you and say, we're going to go up to the mountains and sacrifice. And guess what? You're going to carry the wood that we're going to light the fire with. All right. And it's interesting. He says, he does this and he himself carried the fire and the sacrificial knife and the two of them walked on together. And I'm wondering how far they walked before Isaac had this epiphany, you know, uh, dad, uh, here, my son, uh, the fire and the wood are here. And uh, where's the lamb for the offering? Oy vey. <laughs> you know, guess what? <laughs> you know? And Abraham answered, and he says, this is where we get the term Jehovah Jireh. He says, God himself will provide the lamb. Now, Abraham knew full well at this point that Isaac was the lamb. But yet, look at the faith that Isaac had to trust his father, to know that the faith that his father had would be translated down to him and Isaac had incredible faith. He had absolutely incredible faith. And then it says, and when the two of them walked together, and then they arrived at the place God had des- uh, designated, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood 
and then bound his son. What must have been going through his son's mind? You know, probably some of the things we had for our parents or, or what our kids had for us. Okay, they've lost it. They've really lost it right now, you know? And then it says this, and then he placed him on the altar with the wood, and Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. And then Scripture goes on and says that just then the Lord provided a ram that was stuck in the thicket. And if you know sign language, the letter I for uh, sign language is this. You put your pinky up and close the rest of your hands. And in, in sign language, the sign for Isaac is this, that God himself stopped the hand that was going to slay. And I think of Isaac's faith, you know, we talk a lot about Abraham, but just think of the faith Isaac had as a young boy, knowing what he was getting himself into and realizing how faithful God was to him. You know, another example, we won't read the whole story, but the story in the Old Testament of, of Samuel, in 2 Samuel, there's a story of this young man, his mother takes him and drops him off at the church, or the temple it was at that period. And you can read the whole story in, 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 Sam, in the book of Samuel. And, and the story goes and basically says that as he's there at the temple, it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Basically, the whole chapter of 1 Samuel chapter 3 tells the story. But uh, he's dropped off at the temple, and then the, the priest has sons that are wicked. And this young boy is sleeping in his bed, and he hears the voice of the Lord calling to him. And he thinks it's the priest calling him. And so he goes to the priest, and here, here's, a, here's, a, here's a real interesting thing. The, the minister had no clue what was going on the first two times. He's like, what, what's going on? His kid's waking me up in the middle of the night. You know, I'll tell you, children can hear the voice of the Lord sometimes more clear than we can as adults. Because they, they don't have all the filters that we've put in place to protect ourselves. Or they don't have all the baffles of things that we have gone through. And they can hear the voice of the Lord very clearly. And the scripture says that finally at the third time he had that aha moment. And he says, hey, next time the Lord speaks to you, say, say these words. Here am I, your servant, Lord, speak to me. And he does. And what happens to this young man? He becomes a great and mighty uh, uh, king for the kingdom of God. He basically is, he functions in the prophetic gift. He does incredible things for the kingdom of God. You see, children can hear the voice of the Lord. And one of the things that we, we want to do is we want to cultivate that in them. You know, I've been in, in services where children have developed a gift of prophecy so strong that they were saying things about me that happened in my life 20 years ago that they had no clue. They weren't even conceived at that time. They were prophesying to me, and I'm sitting here going, I love this. These kids have got a direct communication line to the Lord, and they're using it. I tell you, I want to raise up a prophetic generation of your children and your grandchildren. I want to see them do great things. I want them to hear the voice of God so clearly that they're not distracted by all the things around them. You know, here's another example. Look in the New Testament. You know, we look at Mary. Uh, Mary was a young girl, probably between the ages of 12 and 14. You know, this is a, a, a picture of a, a Jewish girl. Basically, she's about 12, or 12 to 14 years old. But think of this. The angel of the Lord appears to her and tells her, you are going to conceive and carry the Messiah. I mean, first of all, if the angel of the Lord appeared, most of us would be white as a sheet. Second of all, if you're a young girl in a Jewish culture that you know that if you were pregnant out of wedlock, they would stone you. We're talking rocks, throwing rocks at you, killing you because of your pregnancy. And then what does she say? I love this. 
I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Or I think it's in King James says, may it be unto me as your, as your, may your word be unto me, you know. Basically, she says this. She says, Lord, I accept your word. What incredible faith. What an incredible faith. I love the, the story of Mary. I love the story of the angels coming to her and speaking to her. But man, I love when she responds, may it be unto me according to your word, O Lord. You know, man, I want that in our children. I want your children and the grandchildren. I tell the kids around the school, they'll ask me, some of the new kids in the school, and they'll say, who are you? And I said, I, I'm Isaac's and Noah's and Penny's grandpa, but I could be your, your, your pretend grandpa while you're here at school. You know, the teachers hate me because I'm always disrupting their class and giving them stuff. And I have a whole cabinet, a filing cabinet full of snacks in my office, you know. And, and uh, you know, but I, I want to be a spiritual grandparent to the children here. I want you to take on that responsibility. Your children may be grown. They may be out of the house. You may have never had children. But you know what? You can be a spiritual grandparent to, these, to this generation. You can be someone that could speak into the lives of other people. You have such wisdom. You have such knowledge. You have such depth of understanding of the Word of God. Why don't you impart that to the next generation? You know, I had a, a phone call this last week. I called the pastor that led me to the Lord. And I told him, I, I, I tell him, my church about him all the time. You know, if it wasn't for him being a spiritual father to me, I wouldn't be your pastor. Now, if you want to send a letter and complain to him, his name is Elliot Stabler. <laughs> He's a retired pastor. He's wheelchair-bound. But I was telling him, I was, he was talking because he said, you know, David, he goes, I, was, I think about you all the time, but I can't write. I can't, I, my, my handwriting's bad. My, my motor skills are deteriorating. He says, I'm confined to a wheelchair. He says, but I think of you all the time. And, it, and this is what he said. I think of all the things you're doing that I could never have done. You see, he always wanted to be a missionary. And so every time I talked to him, I talked to him about his grandchildren then, and some of the, the people that we've mentored that are now missionaries all over the world. We have, we have people that we consider our spiritual children that are in Egypt and Japan and the Middle East and traveling and going all over the world doing ministry. And I tell him, you know what, Elliot, they're your grandchildren. And the people that they reach are your great-grandchildren. And you see, you and I with this ability as spiritual people, it's just not, it's just not our family. It's us, us, us four and no, and no more. It's that we have the ability to translate our faith into other people, and then they can be our sons and daughters. You know? When we went to Israel last year, I took a mugshot of this church. I still have the picture. I was going through the, my pictures. I took a picture. I don't know if you remember if you were here. I stood on the platform. I took a photo, and I took that picture, and I took it to the Western Wall in Jerusalem. And when my wife and I were down there praying, I rolled it up and prayed that God would give the nations to this house. You know what? God is doing that. God is doing it. He's expanding us as a congregation. Why? Because of the lineage that we have. And we could do the same thing spiritually with our children. Here's another example, Jesus. Oh, I know Jesus is not fair game because he's the son of God. But yeah, but if forget Philippians chapter 2. What does Philippians chapter 2 say? In the book of Philippians, I don't have it in the scripture here, but it says, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself. Basically, he, he said, I'm going to give up my divine character and my, my attributes. I'm going to give up those attributes, and I'm going to live a life while I'm on this planet in the natural but show you that if I could do it, you could do it. That's what Philippians 2 teaches. 
So we see the story of Jesus, and look what happened to Jesus. In the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 2, verse 41 through uh, verse 52, it says this, And every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover. It was required by law for Jews to return to Jerusalem and to celebrate the Feast of Passover. And, and when he was uh, 12 years old, how many 12-year-olds, how many of you have 12-year-olds? Pray for you. Oh, Jesus, you know. <laughs> That's, 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 you know, interesting is, is 12, 13, 14 is really when the world really starts to attack your kids. And I believe there's a spiritual uh, 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 a principle behind this. But he says, and they went up according to the customs of the feast. When those days were over and they were returning home, the boy Jesus remained behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of where he stayed. You see, you know, you, you ever lose your kid? You ever, anyone ever lose a child? You can't find them? And that, I tell you, that's, you get this panic feeling. Okay, go to the next slide. Look what happens. It says, basically, assuming he was with their company, this is what happens when you make an assumption, they traveled on uh, uh, for a day before they began to look for him among their relatives and friends, and when they could not find him, they returned for uh, to uh, search for him. Finally, after three days, could you imagine the earful Joseph must have gotten? I mean, what? I thought you had him. No, I thought you had him. Why were you, you know... You Guys, just admit, I'm wrong. It's our fault, okay? Just admit it, okay? And finally, after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. You see, Jesus had a spirituality that was cultivated in his home from a very early age. His parents taught him the, the teachings of Scripture. They taught him the value of having a personal relationship with a loving God. They taught him the importance of understanding and, and meditating on Scripture. You see, they took the passages that we refer to in Deuteronomy to heart, and they taught him when he was a young child. You know, there's amazing things about young children. They can remember things that we as adults go, uh, 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 why? Because we have so much static, but kids, they don't have, they don't have to remember as much as we do, you know? My grandkids can remember the order of, of playing games that we did a year ago at Hanukkah. I mean, like, how do you remember that? I can't remember what I had for breakfast, you know? But children have this ability to remember things. And if you teach them at an early age, it gets into their spirit. Go to the next slide. Look what it says. And when they all heard, they were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. Child, why have you done this? His mother asked. Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you looking for me, he asked. Did you not know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement he was making to them. Then they went down to Nazareth with him and, uh, and, and was subject to them. But I love this. But his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Isn't it amazing? And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with both God and man. You see... So many times as, as parents, we want our children to grow in stature. We want them to become stronger and bigger. We want them to have success in areas. We want people to honor them. But you know the principle we learn here? If you seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added unto you. If you teach your children the value of their spiritual life and the importance of having a relationship with a God and doing the Father's work, it's amazing how other people honor them. So what was the view that Jesus had? Because, you know, Jesus... Jesus taught a lot about Scripture. I, this last week, one of my practices that I do is uh, in the morning when I get a coffee, I'll sit and I'll read an entire book of the Bible. 
That's just kind of like I like to do that. It just gives me a whole, you know, it takes 20, 25 minutes sometimes, a half an hour, maybe 45 minutes. It's a long book. And, and this week I, I re- read through Matthew like three or four times. And Matthew's gospel has an incredible rich tr- history of teaching the value of children. Look at the first, the first passage here in Matthew chapter 21, verse uh, 15 and 16. This is the, the chief priest, the religious leaders, saw the wonderful things that he had done and the children who were shouting in the temple. Did you ever have kids yell at church? Get used to it, you know? I love when I hear kids sing. You know, there's a couple of kids that sing. Man, they're just loud. Man, give praise. Let them praise the Lord, you know? I mean, we, we praise all kind of stupid things, like, you know? I mean, think about it. Some of you are still cheering for the 49ers this year. I mean, as horrible as a season. And if you're a Raiders fan, you can't be much prouder. You know, it's like, I mean, they're both horrible, but we cheer for them, right? These kids are cheering for God so loud in the, in the sanctuary, singing Hosanna to the son of David. And the, the religious people got ticked off, you know? They were, they were ticked off, you know? Children should be seen and not heard. How many of you heard that growing up, you know? That was my grandfather's mantra. Every time he'd see us, he'd say that. Children be seen and not heard, you know? He was a mean, crusty old, you know, Anglican guy that just didn't love Jesus but hated everyone else, you know? Not sure if he really can love Jesus and hate everyone else, but that that was just the way he was, you know? You know, and I thought, man, if that's what it means to be a grandfather, I don't ever want to be a grandfather. I want to be a happy grandfather. I want to be the crazy grandpa that does all the crazy stuff. And guess what? I am, you know? So these people got indignant, and they looked at Jesus, and, and, and he, it's, it's, it's amazing. He says, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have prepared praise for yourself? See, Jesus quoted scripture back to them. You see, children are designed to worship. They just love, I mean, children, just, they just love worshiping Jesus. I remember our grandkids when they were little, our, our, our oldest grandson, I, I didn't realize this till years later, but when he was a baby, he would not go to sleep if he was hot. I didn't, I didn't know, I just thought he wouldn't go to sleep. So I'd bundle him up in the car, get in the car, you know, and we just had our little cube at the time, and I'd turn the heater on in the cube, and I'd drive them all over. I know all the streets in Morgan Hill and Gilroy and San Martin. And, and I mean, I know all the way down to San Juan Batista. I drove him one day for 45 minutes trying to get him to go to sleep. All these back roads and everything. I was down in San Juan Batista when I finally, I was tired and I turned around. Well, now he comes home. He goes, I'm hot all the time, Grandpa. I should have just threw him in his diaper and put him in the back seat and turned the air on, you know, and he probably wouldn't have gone to sleep. But I tell you, children, he'd sit in the car and he'd be singing to himself. He'd be singing worship songs to himself. You know, children love praise. Children love to worship. They just get excited. You know, when they get on the stage, sometimes they get stage fright. But, you know, they'll be singing these songs for the next two weeks to you at home if you let them. Because children have this natural inborn ability to praise God. And, you know, God loves that. God loves the praise that comes out of the mouths of children. Whether we're two years old or 92 years old, God loves when we praise him. You know, because there's something that's released in the atmosphere around us when we worship God. And some of us, we need to learn the lessons from kids. Worship the Lord wherever you go, yeah. you know? If, if, if you guys got a new car, you'd be telling everyone about it, you know? Sarita, you just got your master's degree. Yeah. You know? David has to walk around going, yes, master, yes, master. <laughs> 
I tried that with my wife, David. Doesn't work, you know? But, you know, when you get a degree, you get an accomplishment. You want everyone to know about it, right? But how, how much more is it to know, tell people about the goodness of the Lord, you know? about what God's done for you. Here's another passage in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 18, verses 2 through 6. And he called a child to himself and set him before them. And he said, truly I say to you, unless you were uh, converted and become a little child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? Do we have to go back and have regression therapy and go back to being a child and sit? And if No, he's saying basically you have to have the trust and faith of a little child. You have to have the understanding of a little child where, you know, I, if I told, I told my granddaughter when I took her back to class, she didn't want to leave. She wanted, you know, some, somebody to be with her. It wasn't really me. It was grandmother, but I was there. And, and I told her, I said, now, Penny, if you behave and you are really good in children's church, we'll go out for lunch and then we'll take you to get something fun. Okay. That kid is such a manipulator. She's just like her grandfather, you know? And, and as, as soon as I said that, she knew there was a contract that was made. And I tell you what, she will not forget the terms and conditions of that contract at 12 o'clock. I mean, she'll be like, want to go right out, forget about lunch, just, just go do something fun. Because girls just want to have fun, right? And so we want to just, we want to make that, con kids remember things, you know? And when we're going through this, one of the things that's amazing is they have faith to believe what is said. And that's what Jesus is saying. He says, whoever himself humbles himself like a child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You see, his disciples wanted to know who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He says, you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Be like a child. Have faith. Trust me. Believe me. Here's another passage in Matthew. Matthew chapter 18, down a few more verses. In verse 10, he says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. I always tell, tell my grandkids and our kids this, you know, you have angels watching you. You know, that God is a sign. And what is an angel? An angel is just a, a protectorate of, of humans. And we have angels. You know, some people have these little bumper stickers. I can, uh, I only drive as fast as my angels because, uh, you know, you may think of an angel as this chubby little cherub with a little bow. Man, I think of this yoked up warrior, you know, this yoked up warrior that just people look at it and they get fearful, you know, like Rock Lesnar on steroids, you know, this is a huge monstrous guy that's just yoked up, all ripped, you know, you can count all of, all of his ab muscles and his biceps are bigger than your head. You know, I, that's what I think of a warrior. I don't think of this little like wimpy, wimpy, wimpy thing. I think of this huge muscular thing that's standing over your kids thinking, dude, you better get it right because I'm watching this little one. If you don't get it right, I'm going to come straighten your house out, you know. I tell you that God, God has protected children, and God wants us to protect them. God wants us to speak blessings over them and, and teach them the things of the Lord. And he says, you know, don't despise these little ones. You know, so many times as adults, we get ticked off with kids. But you know what? The Lord says, don't despise them. You know, these are the ones that I'm going to do great things through. These are the ones that I'm going to challenge you, and these are the ones that are going to ask you questions. This is what I love sometimes about parents. And I was there. My kids would ask me questions. You know, it's always scary when your kids are smarter than you, you know. But your kid asks you a question, you can't answer it. So what do you have to do? You have to go study the Word. And God wants us to be in the Word. God wants us to be people that when we get squeezed, other things don't come out of us. But when you get squeezed, what comes out of you? The Word of God. And you would teach that to your children. You instruct them in that. You teach them in the ways of righteousness. And that's why he says, you know, hey, don't despise any of these little ones. You know, actually, the Gospel of John, I won't even get to that, but if you read the Gospel of John in the original language, he uses the term to techno, which means little ones. 
And John, in, in John, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, he uses the term all the way through that, that in the Greek when he writes it. And he, he's referring to people of faith as little children. Yeah. You know? And you know what he's saying? He says, you have to have the faith of a little child. Yeah. You, you have to have faith of a little child. I mean, you're, you're a big boy. But you, you have the faith of a little child. You have to have faith. You may be old. You, know? you may be, you may be a, a parent of yourself, but you have to have the faith of a little child. Because when you have the faith of a little child, what do you do? You believe what is said to you. You trust the one who says it. You put confidence in the one who says it. You see, the, Jesus taught all of these things. You know, another one, here's another one in Matthew chapter, or excuse me, Mark chapter 9, verse uh, 36 and 37. Taking a child, he set before him, took him in his arms, and he said to them, whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me. Wow, that's pretty powerful. You receive these little kids, you receive me. You don't receive these little kids. You don't receive me. So next time you're in church and kids screaming in your ear during worship, just be thankful. That's the Lord behind you telling you you need to sing louder than the kids screaming. You know? Be thankful. You know, someday you may be on a respirator and you'll want to have lungs like that little child. You know? Just rejoice when the kid's around. I, I tell you, I love when I go out in the foyer after service and there's like crumbs everywhere. You know, I know the kids are having a good time because they're running and eating, so we're feeding them, and they're having a good time with one another. You know, we want, it, we want this, I want this place, uh, you know, I thank God. I remember when we first came here six years ago, there weren't this many little rugrats on the stage, you know? I, th I hope and someday we have to push things out, and maybe, Mark, you'll have to build an extension to the stage again. We'll have it out and have all these kids, you know, have risers up here with all the kids doing crazy stuff. Well, that'd be kind of scary. Uh, I don't know if our liability insurance would cover that, but, but we, we, well, I want this place packed with kids, you know? I want your homes, your neighborhoods. I want you to be people that are child magnets, that kids are attracted to you. You know why? Because I'll tell you something. The presence of the Lord in you draws people to you. And children are drawn specifically to you when you have the presence of the Lord in you. Here's another passage in, in the Gospel of uh, Mark. In Mark chapter 10, verse 13, it says, And when they're bringing children to him so that he can touch them, his disciples rebuked him. So he, people are bringing children to, to Jesus so that Jesus can touch them and bless them. And his spiritual counterparts are ticked off. I love this passage of Scripture. And Jesus saw this. How many times do you see Jesus being indignant in Scripture? Not many. At the temple when they're profaning the house of the Lord because he says it's a house of prayer and they're setting up booths and selling everything. And, and here's another example. He says he became indignant and said to them, permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. This is so good. I love this. He says, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. That's pretty straightforward. You know, Pastor Lynn and I, we were university professors. I tell you, I love higher education, but man, you get some of the most arrogant people in higher education. I mean, I'm sorry if any of you are teachers. I'm one too. I still teach. But man, there are some pompous people in higher ed. They actually believe that they're the most knowledgeable person on everything, even if it's not their area of study. And I remember sitting in, in, in conferences with people, trainers, of, of, and listening to these people thinking, do you, do you, are you listening to yourself? Do you really think you're that incredibly great? 
You know, you know they'll be teaching about humility and telling them how humble they are, you know. And he says, you know, you have to seek the kingdom of God like these children and enter it with faith. And he took them in the arms right after his disciples were ticked off. And Jesus says, you know, you're ticked off now? Watch this. Takes them in his arms and blesses them. Because he wanted to tell his disciples, guys, you're walking with me, but you have no clue what's going on. You're not catching it. You're not following it. And he blessed them. He laid hands on them and blessed them. And you know, laying hands on scripture is basically a teaching of the impartation of what you have. So what Jesus was doing is he's saying, I'm going to impart the blessing I have on these children. I'm going to lay my hands on them. And the same spirit that lives in me is going to live in them. And you adults that aren't, aren't catching it, you're, you're, you're not gonna, I'm not going to lay my hands on you. Maybe I'll lay my fists on you, but I'm not going to lay my hands on you because you're not, you're not tracking with me. And Jesus, Jesus loved children. Jesus, he, I mean, look what he says here in Luke. This is another, another great passage in Luke. He also quotes it in, in Mark chapter 9. Uh, but look in Luke chapter 9, verse 46 through 48. An argument started among them, and this is, this is Jesus' disciples. Okay, These are the guys that you know, we often glorify them that if oh we would just walk with Jesus, we would have it all down. And that's not true. Because these guys walked with him for years, and they still didn't catch it. So they're having an argument, who's the greatest in the kingdom? I mean, come on. Who's the best plumber in town? I'm the best plumber in town. No, you're the best. Um, no, he's the best plumber in town right here, okay? Anyone else a plumber here? Any other plumbers in here? There, there, there's a twosome here, okay? They're arguing about who's the, who's the best disciple, and he says this. But Jesus, knowing what they were thinking in their heart, took a child and stood by his side, okay? And he said to them, whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who has sent me. For the one who is the least among you will be the greatest. Wow, that just really upset their apple cart, didn't it? You know, it's always great when Jesus takes a life illustration and plops it right in front of you. Can you imagine every time those disciples saw a little kid, they're thinking, oh, you're greater than me. You're, no, no, you're greater than me. It was like, you know, frickin' fractal cartoons characters, you know, they're like going back and forth. Who's great? You know, basically it was just basic. These children, every time you see a child, that's what it means to be great. These children, God, God looks at children and says, I love them. I care for them. I want to protect them. And here's one last illustration I want to give you in, is in the life of Timothy. Some of you may have, you may be the only person of faith in your home. Maybe your, your spouse is uh, not a person of, of faith, or maybe you're, you're a single parent. Uh, I love the story of Timothy because Timothy shows the value of a godly heritage and what it can do for someone. Uh, if you look in, in the book of Acts, I don't have it written here, but in Acts chapter 16, it, uh, verses 1, 2, and 3 of Acts 16 tells of Timothy's lineage his father was a Greek, and his mother and his grandmothers were people of faith. And uh, it says this in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. He says, You, however, continue in the things you have learned and been convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And from childhood you have, uh, you have uh, known the sacred writings and the things that you are able to give to you, the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Who did this for him? His mother... And his grandmother, his grandmother, Lois, and his mother, Eunice, taught him from an early age the importance of being a man of faith. And who, who did he become? 
He became a disciple of Jesus that two books in the New Testament are written uh, uh, from the Apostle Paul to him, telling him, you know, hey, don't let anyone despise your youth, Timothy, but set yourself in as example to the believers. So you're, you're teaching your children and your grandchildren, and they may not even be biologically related to you, but you can teach your spiritual sons and daughters. You can uh, teach your spiritual grandchildren. You can teach them the things of faith, and I'll tell you what they'll do. They'll do greater things in the kingdom of God than you and I will. And I'll tell you, there's nothing greater than that. There's nothing greater than seeing your children or your grandchildren accomplish greater things than, than you do. Why? Because it's, it makes you proud. It makes you happy. It makes, you know, thank God. You can be like Elliot Stabler who says, you know, I may never get to Nepal, but I told him we're going to Nepal this February, and we're going to look at one of the churches that this church helped found. We trained the, the young guy that's the pastor. We helped buy him a motorcycle. We helped build a church building, and when our team goes to India in February, we're going to take a border crossing into Nepal for a day, and we're going to dedicate that building to the Lord. Isn't that exciting? That's, they are your spiritual grandchildren. Someday a Nepalese person is going to walk up to you to heaven and start speaking to you and saying, man, you'll never know how blessed I am because your church, Crossroads, helped build my building, and I came to faith, and let me show you the lineage of faith that you have. This is your great-grandson. This is your great-great-grandson. This is your great-great-great-grandson. This is your great-great-great-great-great-granddaughter. And, and we're going to be people. Why? Because we believe in establishing the kingdom of God. And Timothy is a great example of being a person who was raised in a home that only had one one spiritual parent, but yet had a spiritual grandparent that invested into them. Amen? Amen. So that's my introduction. <laughs> so let me just give you a, a couple things in closing. So why do children need spiritual development? You know, we see how important it is, but why do they need it? One, I think one of the things that is, is our culture is, is, is really teaching our children in so many different formats is what truth is. And one of the things that we need to realize as spiritual parents, we need to invest in our children and invest in a firm foundation in them so they can withstand all the things that are coming their way. One of the things I think that a spiritual nurturance of children does, it gives them a strong set of ethics on which they could build their life. You know, I believe that if you raise your children in, in, the, in the teachings of the Bible, I believe that they're going to have a strong, timeless sense of values morality, what is right, what is wrong, those things, they're going to have a sense of integrity, they're going to have an understanding of, of what, it, what it means to really live. You know, there's a lot of people out there teaching your kids or wanting to teach your kids about what is important in life, and a lot of them are really the opposite of what Scripture teaches. And so I believe that one of the things that teaching little ones can do can help them to, to see that, that there is a higher calling on their life, there is a higher authority on their life. You know, I, I just read an article from a graduate from Evangel University who graduated in uh, a Christian college and univer university in the Midwest, and she has uh, worked in Washington, D.C. for the last 19 years. And she said, you know, one of the things in Washington, D.C. that you have to really, really understand is that integrity is everything. And since my son is in the military in D.C. and wanting to, to, wanting to, to continue to live there when he's finished with his military service, I sent him the article. And not only did he appreciate the article, but he appreciated it from an alumni of the school he went to. And he said, you know, Dad, integrity is everything. Here's a guy that's serving. He's not a pastor, you know. He's a, he's, he's a law enforcement officer in the military. And he's saying, Dad, integrity is everything. 
You see, if you train up your children when they're young, when they're old, they're not going to depart from it. And I want, I want your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your nephews, your nieces, I want them to be able to stand strong because our culture is, truth is no longer truth. It, truth is all relative. And scripture teaches that there is truth, there is rightness, there is morality. And you and I, we live in a culture that's trying to dictate everything that is, is true and sacred and honorable is, is wrong. And we should just be promiscuous in everything. And we could teach our children what is right. Amen? Right. Second thing we could do, we could teach our children a sense of security of knowing who they are in Christ. And I tell you, there's nothing more powerful for a young person or an old person but to know who they are in Christ. Because if you know who you are in Christ, it doesn't matter what other people say about you. It doesn't matter. You can have an absolute uh, rock-solid commitment to knowing who you are because you know that you're made in the image and likeness of God. And when you understand that, even as an adult, it sets you free. You know? Honestly, as your pastor, I don't care what you say about me because I know what he says about me. You know, and I've heard a lot of things said about me. There's not, there's things you could say. You could curse like a sailor, and I've already heard it. You know, I don't care what people say about me because I know what God says about me. And I tell you, when you teach your children that, it makes them strong because people are going to say things about them all the time that are not true. They're going to try to say things to tear them down. They're going to say things to try to destroy them. And your children are going to say, "Go on, bring it on, baby." You know what? Because not only am I, I'm not alone, because see that big dude behind me with all the muscles? He's my angel guarding me and protecting me. And you see behind him? You know who's behind him? See the guy on the throne? He says, this is who I am. And I tell you, when you teach your children that, doesn't matter what other people say to them, they're going to know that, hey, there is something about me that I know who I am, I know who I believe in, and I know he is able to keep me, and I know he's able to protect me, and I know he's able to defend me, and I don't care what you say about me, because I know what God says about me. Amen? Amen? Another thing that you're going to teach your children is the, the, the value of community and traditions. And I'll tell you, there is something about a community of faith that builds you up. And as teaching our children the importance of a church community, you know, you can be exposed. The thing I love about church, I was a university pastor. My first pastoral position I had, I got done with my master's degree, and I worked at Penn State University, and we had a college ministry group. And although I love college ministry groups, one of the things I don't love about it is that they're all the same. They're all fairly well-to-do kids that are going to college, that have the privilege of having an education, that are in a, a university setting. They're all about the same age demographic. And, and so what we did with our, our university students, we said, you have to be involved in a local church. Why? Because you got the little kids running around screaming, you got the babies crying in the nursery, you got the middle-aged people, you got the old people, you got the person that smells funny, you got the person that talks funny, you got the person that has never been to college, you got, you, you got a spattering of culture. And I tell you, your children can learn a great deal about interacting with people from all different backgrounds in the church community. You know, look around. We're not all the same, are we? You know? We have a plumber sitting next to a psychologist sitting next to a master and a master's servant. <laughs> you know? We have people that dig ditches. We have people that work in banks. We have people that work in schools. We have people that don't go to school. We have people that are tradesmen. We have people that are professionals. You know, we have people that are employed. We have people that are unemployed. We have people that are collecting welfare, people that are giving to welfare. We have people, all these different backgrounds. We have all this different thing. And children can learn a great deal from us. You know, the one thing I, I, I value is it does take a community to raise children. Right. 
It takes a village. It takes people to speak in their life. Because sometimes, as a parent, your children will become tone deaf to you, and you want someone with similar, like, precious faith that's going to be able to speak into them, and people that are safe, because there's people out there that want to destroy your children, and you want people that are safe around them, that have the same values that you have, that can, you know, be, hey... Uh, I just read something. Uh, one of our friends is a Latina gal up in San Jose, and she said, you know, it's amazing. Your whole life, you refer to someone as Tia or Tia, uh, Tio or Tia, and you find out they're not even related to you. <laughs> but the truth is, there's aunties and uncles that will speak into your life. And I'll tell you, there's th- sometimes, man, I pray that when my kids were going through that stage where I wanted to just send them to meet Jesus, you know, just, the, just get them done, Lord. They're never going to fall away. I'm just going to just kill them right now. I would pray this, Lord, send someone in our church that can speak to them. Because for some reason, they're tone deaf to their mom and dad right now. But Lord, I know that you can speak to other people, and they have a relationship with other people. And it's, you know what's amazing? God always did that. You know? So we could develop that. And, and, and last is this, is it teaches your children, I, and I, I, don't, I don't know how to say this, it's, it's, I put uh, self-worth, but it's, it's really more than that, because... Knowing who your children are, when they know who they are in Christ, it, it releases them to have this ability of keeping themselves in a place where they know they're loved, you know? And I'll tell you, there's nothing greater than the love of God when he just envelops children in, in a, a sense of his presence, and, and they know beyond a shadow of a doubt of how worthy they are, you know? doesn't make them arrogant. Actually, it makes them very humble. It, it brings a sense of humility into their life to realize that, you know, it doesn't matter if your child is abled, disabled, partially disabled. You know, we have friends, cl- very close friends of my wife that have uh, multiple children with severe, severe disabilities. And I tell you what, those kids know that Jesus loves them. They know that the Lord loves them in, in their bodies that don't function the way that God intended but the Lord loves them, and they know their parents love them. They know their church loves them. They know when they're around aunties and uncles at church that they love them and they care for them. You know, one of the things that our world likes to do is likes to pigeonhole kids into places where if you're not, you're not the cool kid, you're not the, the star athlete, you're not the Rhodes Scholar that's going to get a 4.0 and go to Stanford and they're going to pay for it. If you're not that, you're not worth anything. And I want to tell you something. The Word of God says that every single child is precious to the Lord. It doesn't matter if they're, they're, they're a down child. It doesn't matter if they have uh, disabilities. It doesn't matter if they, they, they're not the top of their class. If, if you're, you know, some parents pray that their kids can just pass to the next grade. You know, God loves those children, and they're valuable to him, and they're precious to him. And one of the things that, that happens is when a child knows the worth they have from the creator of the universe, it brings everything else into perspective. And I tell you, I want this place, I want this house to be a house that teaches every single child that comes in here how valuable and how precious they are to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Worship team, come on up. i got a couple more things to say, but you guys can get in, in place because I, uh, I, I have a promise that my granddaughter is going to hold me to. So how do we put these things into practice? I think the, the, the simplest way to put all of this into practice is to start now. You know, uh, as a parent... If you're waiting to be the perfect parent, hate to bust your bubble, but we're a place that speaks truth around here, you know? A friend of mine was, uh, 
uh, speaking at their church, and they come up to me after service, and they said, can I, can I quote you? I'm writing a book on self-esteem and self-worth, and I, I want to quote you in something you said in your sermon. And that's always scary because I sometimes have no idea what I'm saying in my sermon, <laughs> you know. Uh, my wife often reminds me of that. Do you realize what you said this morning? Oh, no, honey. <laughs> but I said we are all functionally dysfunctional. That means all of us have dysfunctions, you know. We're imperfect in many different ways. But the beauty is when we surrender our imperfections to the Lord, the Lord makes all things well. The Lord can bring things together, you know. I was raised in a family where my father passed away and my mother married someone that was a totally non-involved person in my life. Didn't, you know. But God was gracious enough to give me a neighbor that lived two houses down from me named Art Perfetto, who became my, almost like my dad. And I hung out with his kids, and we're still friends today. And he taught me how to tie a tie. I mean, I could tie a really classic, great double Windsor. I mean, my knot is perfect, you know? Why? Because Art Perfetto would t teach me, and he taught me and over and over again, and I, I learned to tie a tie. And, and you know what's cool? When he passed away, I sent a letter to his wife, and I said, you know, I've taught the, the fine art of tie-making of Art Perfetto to people all over the world. And not only that, when my son went into the military, I taught my son how to tie a tie, and he taught all the guys on his flight how to tie a tie, you know? And just something simple like that, you know, you learn from other people. And God wants us to equip and challenge us to teach things to those that are around us. And here's the thing that you do. Proverbs 22, 6 says this. I love this passage. It says, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they were old, they will not turn from it. You know, there is a spiritual truth of this passage that doesn't matter how young or how old your children are, but when you invest in them spiritually, you're not just investing in something that's from this world. You're investing, you're investing in something that's out of this world. And you're, you're releasing over them the blessing of the Lord, the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, I don't know about you, but when my kids were little and they laid in, they laid in their little incubators, I would, I would go over and put my hands on them. And just the very first thing I'd do, I'd kiss their feet. Because I have a weird thing with kissing babies' feet. Uh, but I'd kiss their feet and then I'd pray over them. And one of the reasons why I kiss their feet is because I want them to walk places that I would never be able to walk. And I, I would prophesy over my, my kids. I did this over my grandkids. If I come, if you have a baby or you have a grandkid and you take me to the hospital, I'll lay hands on them. And I may not be speaking out loud, but I'll just lay hands on them. And I'm prophesying over them that God is going to do great things in their life. And, and, and you start off early and you cultivate that and you nurture that and you develop that in the children. So I want to close today because today was kind of a kid's day and you never know how, how services are going to go. Fortunately, no one fell off the stage. You know, a few years back, we had one of the kids got pushed off the platform. You know, he's still dealing with that, you know. But uh, I want to pray for us that we will be people that are open to be spiritual mentors to young children. You know, I want us to be safe people that children, they sense it, you know. You know, children have this ability to just read people. And I want us to be safe people. Amen? Amen. So if you want, I, I want, I want you just to stand. If you want to be a person that is just called to mentor children, maybe you have children of your own or grandchildren or nephews or nieces. Maybe you're a tia or a tia to someone that you're not related to. 
that, that you, God will just use you to speak into their lives. Father, we thank you for each and every one of us that is standing right now. Lord, we commit to you our lives. I pray that, God, you would make us sensitive to the children that you bring into our life. I pray for us that are parents, us that are grandparents, those that are aunties and uncles. I pray that, God, you would just release over us an understanding of the young men and women that you bring into our lives. Lord, I pray that even though we may not be related to some of these folk, that, God, you will put a bond in our heart that is so strong. And I pray that, God, we would look upon children as you look upon them. I pray that, God, we would, we would be the, the people that are, are safe, we're protectors, we're guardians, we're people that are making ways for children that maybe their, their own biological parents couldn't make, but, God, we're going to step in the gap for them, and we're going to help them to do things. And I pray that, God, you would raise up in this place mighty, mighty, mighty children of faith. I pray that we would be a house that is known as a place of safety, a place of protection, a place of speaking life into children. I pray that, God, we would have, we would have kids every single Sunday, every single week during the week in this place learning about you and learning who they are and learning that they're, they're crafted in the image and likeness of a loving God who loved them and died for them and gave himself up for them and empowers them with the Holy Spirit. And I pray you would bless their minds. I pray you would bless their bodies. Those that are challenged, Lord, I pray you would bless them so they'd be able to do things for your glory and your honor, Lord. I pray for those that have they have great abilities and talents that you'd multiply those even more, God. And that, Father, they would be like the, the young men and women that I've, I've seen that have been examples of people that love God and love education and love business and love craft and love artwork and love uh, 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 trade skills. And, God, they excel in their field. And I pray that as they do that, God, you will raise up a mighty army of young men and women who take the faith that they know and they pass it on to their friends and their families families, and that, God, that we would see a great stirring of men and women from this church, from this community, from this neighborhood, God, that love you and serve you with all of their heart, all of their mind, all of their soul, and all of their strength. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. You know, maybe you have um, something going on with one of your kids or grandkids or a child that's near to you that you need prayer for. I think this is a special day for that. Because God cares, and God intervenes. And you know what? The sooner you open up the door, remember, we're like a gateway. We can keep the door shut, or we can open it up. Because God wants to intervene. Maybe there's something going on in your family, your child's life, or just something you just want to pray, be prayed with about. We have prayer teams on the right and the left. Feel free to come down after I dismiss for prayer. The other thing is, is while Pastor David was speaking, some of you... Maybe you've made a commitment later in life or in your family's life or started coming back to church later, and you haven't dedicated your children to the Lord. It doesn't matter if they're 10 years old or 2-year-old or 3 or a baby. But you know what? I'm going to put it out there for you that I would like to see dedications, okay? Even if you haven't, you say, well, my, my child's not a baby anymore. I feel a little bit, you know, embarrassed or whatever. You know what? Don't be embarrassed. 
you know, uh, we're, I think I'm going to set up a, a Sunday, and we're just going to have family dedications coming up here. We're just going to dedicate families with their children or grandchildren to the Lord. Because you know what? We're going to play hardball with the enemy. We will not let the enemy kill, steal, or destroy our children or try to create depression in them or all some of these things that are coming against this generation. We will not. How many of you are with me? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Just like Pastor David said, he has assigned, the Lord has assigned an angel to each one of our children. And we need to let them know. We need to let those ch our children know, you know what? You have an angel assigned to you. There is great power. There is great insight that we want to impart to those kids so that when they're facing these battles, that the enemy's trying to come in through our culture and through many other things, that they are strong and courageous. Let's bow our heads. What a great day it was. Wasn't it wonderful to see those children up there praising? I mean, they were going for it. They were worshiping, and it was awesome. And Jesus, you smiled. You laughed today. You enjoyed, Lord. And Father, we just want to we just want to please you. You love our children. You love the children that are around us. All of us are your children. You love us all. But Lord, I pray specifically, Father, for our families, for the children that are in our care, whether they be neighboring children or we teach them or they're related to us or that we're an adopted uh, auntie or grandma, whatever it may be, you have placed them in our care. And Lord, we want to have supernatural insight into their lives. We want to protect them, Father, from the evil one, Lord. We want to blow on their faith, Lord. We want to encourage them. We want to cheer them on. We want them to be everything that you have designed for them to be. Father, we just thank you, Father, for that responsibility that you have given to us. And Father, I know that this house has been anointed to raise up godly men and women, warriors for you, for this kingdom. Father, and we are committed to that, and we will fulfill that assignment in this generation and the next. And we thank you, Father, in your name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great great week. And if you need prayer, there's prayer teams available to you.